Where do you go when you need encouragement? Where do you go? What do you do when you need encouragement? Family, we all need encouragement. Life's hard. Following Jesus Christ as your Lord, your God, is not easy. Our Lord never, ever promises to protect His own from pain. He does not promise to keep you from disappointments and hurt and heartache. He promises to go with you through your pain and heartache. He promises to go with you when your world is falling apart. And there's real pain, emotional, medical, physical, relational. You wonder, can you continue? He promises to go with you. There are many places we could go and do to try to find the security and peace and the encouragement that you need. Go to drink. Go to drugs. Go to the internet. Go to a relationship. All kinds of places to go. Wanting encouragement is not wrong. It's wrong when we go and try to do something that is detrimental to try to secure it. To want encouragement is right. For several weeks now, we're coming to a book, a letter, First Peter. It is written specifically to people who need encouragement. They are going through hard times. They are described as exiles. They're refugees. They're foreigners. They're scattered in different places because it is costing them to know and follow Jesus Christ. It is costly to follow Him. Those to whom this book, this letter was originally written for their benefit are exiles, they're scattered, they're running for their lives. The abuse, the beatings, the torture, the humiliation, they're scattered, they're running, and Peter's writing them a letter to give them encouragement, to give them help for today and a hope in Christ for tomorrow. Let's look at the way this wonderful letter begins. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow. Look at these words. So important. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He identifies himself. as his return address. I'm Peter. Who is Peter? Ooh, it's so important that we know this writer of this letter. <laughs> Jesus chose 12 to follow him. 
that he would make his apostles. He knew one would betray him, Judas. He knew that. Peter is the leader of those 12. Peter is an uneducated fisherman. And Jesus went to him and said, come. Come, follow me. I've got a new responsibility, a new career for you. And Peter did. He left everything. Uneducated. Very vocal and outspoken. Among those 12, Jesus had the inner circle. He had three who were really the inner circle. Who was the first? Peter. (laughs) Peter, James, and John. You see Jesus calling them aside to minister to them in a different way. Peter. Peter, wow. I like Peter. So vocal, so aggressive. Earlier, Jesus had said to Peter, Peter, one day you're going to deny me. Deny you? No way. They may deny you, these others, but not me. Not me. I'm with you through it all. Yeah. Peter went through a hard time, and he denied Christ, cursed, cursed, no way do I know him, and then he wept bitterly. When those soldiers came to arrest Jesus, to arrest him, to kill him, who was it that grabbed one's sword It was Peter. Listen, the soldiers were there to arrest Jesus, to arrest him and kill him. Peter, on his own initiative, grabbed a sword and must have gone for the head of one of those soldiers because the soldier must have ducked. Peter severed his ear. Severed, cut off the ear of that soldier that was arresting Christ. I mean, he was bold. He was courageous. But he failed like the rest of us. But Jesus gave him grace. Jesus healed, healed that soldier's ear. It's amazing that the soldiers didn't attack Peter and kill him. But they didn't. Who was it that Jesus chose To preach one of the greatest sermons that's ever been preached at Pentecost. It was Peter. Peter, thousands were converted and brought to Christ. Peter, I like him. The uneducated fisherman. A part of the inner circle. Here he is by the Holy Spirit. Writing a letter. For those who are being scattered and running for their life to give them encouragement. Peter's writing to us. This letter's for us. It's for all throughout the world. Peter identifies himself. I'm Peter. Earlier his name was Simon. And Jesus changed his name from Simon. Peter the Rock. (laughs) I love it. The work of Jesus. Peter, I'm an apostle, he says. I'm an apostle. I have seen the resurrected Christ to be an apostle meant sent one. 
who has seen Jesus resurrected. Listen, that's the true definition of apostle. You'll hear people today say they are apostles. To be a biblical an apostle, you had to have seen Jesus Christ resurrected, sent one. Peter, an apostle. There are four truths, four truths that we see here for help for today and hope for tomorrow to give you encouragement. Help for today, hope for tomorrow, encouragement and peace when you go through the hard times. And you're going to go through them if you follow Christ. You're going to go through them, but he's going to go with you. Four truths for us to know, four truths to believe that are intended to give you encouragement and help and hope. They're there. It's not something I'm making up. Four truths to believe and to share. The first is, just from these two verses, we will see that it is God who elects. It's God who elects. Secondly, it's God that allows. He elects, he allows. Number three, it's God expects. He expects something from his family. And fourthly, it's God who provides. He provides so that his expectations are complete. Number one. God elects a family for himself. God elects. That's a beautiful word. Go to the scriptures to understand what it means. Look at 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To who? To those who are elect. This letter, the Bible, is for those whom God has elected unto himself. What does it mean to elect? To elect means a family for himself. To elect means God has chosen a people. He has predestined them by his foreknowledge. Come to the scriptures. We see God elects, God has chosen by his foreknowledge a people to bring to himself and make his family, make his sons and daughters. That should give you encouragement. Great encouragement. What does it mean to be elect? Jesus tells us something of what that means in Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Where Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. Family, as Christ, we are to call everyone to him. We're to call everyone to faith in Christ, repentance, turn from your sin, come to Christ, come to him, worship him, trust him, believe on him. We're to call everyone. And you should be encouraged. And among those he calls, 
and we call. He has elected some to be his, to give them faith and repentance. Many are called, but few are chosen. Paul writing to those by the Holy Spirit, to those in Ephesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here it is. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption. Adopted into his family. What What is God saying here? God is saying that when, before he ever created the world, in his grace, in his mercy, he chose a people. He elected them to become adopted sons and daughters. He predestined, he predetermined those who would come. Hallelujah. If you're in Christ, you're there because he chose you. He chose you if you're his before he ever created the world. That's humbling. The word he uses here is by his foreknowledge. Now, all who believe, I like what Dr. R.C. Sproul says in his teaching. Dr. Sproul is now with our Lord, one of the greatest theologians and teachers and preachers. One of my favorites, Dr. R.C. Sproul. He says of this, those who believe in Scripture, Embrace election. Yeah, it's there. Predestination is there. God choosing a family is there. It's there. But the difference comes on foreknowledge. There are those who say, yes, he elected. Yes, he chose. Yes, he predestined. But he did it by his foreknowledge, meaning he knew in advance. He knows all. He knew Bob and Sue and Joe and John and Ruth. He knew in advance that they would respond. And so those are the ones he elected. That's one way of explaining it. But folk, that's not correct. Yes, he knows all. But he knows this, that no one would ever choose Christ. No one would ever believe on Christ unless he gave that new birth. No one can, no one will. We are dead in our sins. Dead people cannot choose good. Before he ever created the world, he chose to give grace. 
He chose to treat a people as we do not deserve. And give us life in His Son. Mercy. And not treat us as we deserve. And the better we understand this, the greater encouragement there is. That's what the suffering need. The Holy Spirit has said to Peter, Peter, tell these who are running for their life that they've been elected into the family. That they've got His grace. They've got their mercy. Yes, they're running for their life. Yes, they're being attacked and abused and beaten and shamed and ridiculed and their property is being taken and stolen. They're refugees. But tell them first, They're a part of his elect family. God elects. I say again, if you're in his family, it's because he elected you. God elects. Secondly, God allows. Look at the second truth here. God allows. What does he allow? He permits suffering. God allows his sons and daughters to suffer. He permits it. He allows it. And family, listen. There are times when he even creates it. At times he even creates it. We see God allowing these who are being dispersed and scattered. He's allowing it and permitting it. We see how Job was treated. His ten children were killed. His property was taken. He had severe physical suffering. God allowed and permitted it. But he's called a righteous man. These are called righteous and holy, and they're suffering. But family, we must understand the Scriptures. Sometimes God creates and sins, not S-I-N-S, but S-E-N-D-S. He sins the suffering. Where do we get that? Look at your, we've got to look at the Bible. God kept warning his people, his family, Israel, stop sinning. Stop going after your other priorities, your other gods. Stop going after other things. He calls it idolatry. But they didn't. They kept going. They kept going. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish you. No, we'll go our own way, said Israel. And God sent punishment. God says he brought up the Babylonians. He, God says, I'll send Nebuchadnezzar against you. And you became prisoners. You became abused and tortured. God takes sin very serious. Again, from Dr. Sproul, I've just been devouring Dr. Sproul's teaching. Dr. Sproul, who is now with our Lord, Ligonier Ministries, says this about us, me. We don't know God. 
We don't really know him as he is. We, we've picked and chosen this and this and this. We don't know him as he is. But it's not just the Old Testament where God not only allows suffering, permits suffering, but creates suffering. Look at Corinthians, the congregation in Corinth were tolerating sin among their people. They were coming to the Lord's table and they were misusing it. They were taking it in a flippant way. And God says, I, he takes responsibility for bringing illness, weakness, and death. And some of you are being punished by death because of your misuse and abuse of eating at the table. God takes responsibility for that. God elects, God allows suffering. He allows it. It's throughout Scripture. But He does it out of love. He does it so that He continues to break us of our sense of independence so that we have a greater growing dependence and confidence on Him. God elects. God allows Thirdly, we see in this passage that God expects obedience. He expects obedience from his sons and daughters. God expects obedience from his children and he enables us. He enables obedience from his family. He expects our obedience. And then he enables us by the Holy Spirit to obey. He expects it and enables it. Look back at 1 Peter 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1 and 2. According to the foreknowledge of God, God is chosen, God is elect, God predestines by his foreknowledge. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. Here it is. For obedience to Jesus Christ. For obedience to Jesus Christ. He chooses, he elects, he predestines, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, perfect God, man. To live that perfect life. To die on that cross. To take punishment and judgment against sin upon himself. To extend his grace and his mercy. Choosing not to treat us as we deserve. So that now, out of gratitude. You will long to obey Jesus Christ. How? Out of gratitude. 
We obey not in order to earn his love. No, we don't want to do more and do better so that he'll love us more. I've been there. It's it's wicked. Got to do more. Then he'll love me more. Got to do better. Then he'll love me more. No. The father's love for his sons and daughters is based on that finished work of Jesus Christ. Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. But those he has called and chosen, he expects obedience and he enables obedience. Jesus says in John 14, 15, John says in John 14, 15, John says, if you love me, says Jesus, Jesus says, if you love him, you will keep his commandments. Not perfectly. Not at all perfectly. But there is that longing in your heart that you want to obey him. You want to. Do you want to? If you don't, then I think you need to question whether he is really yours and question whether you're his. Because Jesus says those who love him will keep his commandments. Again, not perfectly, but there's that longing, there's that craving, there's that desire, I want to please you. Obey you. What's the fourth truth we see here? First, it's God that elects, it's God that allows suffering to his family, it's God that expects obedience. And look at fourth. It's God that provides grace and peace for his family through the hard times. God himself is promising to provide for you all the grace that you need, all the peace that you will need as he takes you and allows you through these hard, suffering times. Promises to be with you. Folk, when you have the grace of Jesus Christ, and that's the reason these, in this very introduction, Peter says this in verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Again, the setting. Peter knows what they are going through. He knows they are exiles. They're scattered. They're refugees. They're running for their life. They need food. They need protection. They need help. They need encouragement. He reminds them, family, remember who you are. 
You're part of God's elect family. Understand this, God does not promise to keep you from suffering, but he promises to go with you through it. Now listen, in your trial of your faith, remember, he expects you to obey. And fourthly, he promises to multiply grace and peace for you as you're going through this. As your heart is broken. As you wonder, can you go on? Your life's falling apart. He's promising multiplied grace. Multiplied peace to your troubled, hurting heart. How are we to respond? What is our response? Three responses, three applications. The first response is this. Ask yourself with sincerity. Number one, ask yourself with sincerity. Am I in the family? Please ask yourself that with sincerity. Ask God. God, am I really in your family? Am I yours? Are you mine? If you're asking that with sincerity, there's a good indication that you are though you may be doubting. If you're really sincerely asking and wanting to be on this family, absolutely. He'll turn no one away. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Did you hear him? He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Are you in repentance? Are you turning from your own ways? Are you pursuing the ways of Christ? If you are, it's because he's breathed that desire in you by his Holy Spirit. But ask that sincerely and then ask someone who you trust. Ask them, do they see from your life a sincere desire to obey Christ? Ask them, do you see in me a sincere desire to live for Christ? Or do you see in me that I want to live for myself? Ask them. Honest. Second response. Thank God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit, with all sincerity, thank Him for the truth of election and the truth of suffering and the truth of grace. Thank Him. I say again, the only way to live in God's family is by Him coming after you, choosing you. Thank you, Father, that you did not leave us in our sin 
dead spiritually, but that you would choose a family by your foreknowledge. Thank Him. Secondly, thank Him for suffering. We'll see, we see in Peter, where Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that something strange is happening to you when you're going through suffering. He's ministering. He's going to provide an abundance of grace and mercy. And some of you have stories, experiences in your own life suffering. Though you still weep in your heart, you're saying there's been a multiplication of grace and peace. Thank Him for this. And then lastly, our third and final response. Ask the Father. Ask Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit for a growing faith. A maturing trust and confidence in obeying Him and sharing of Him. Ask the Father, ask Christ, ask this one God in three persons and the Holy Spirit. Lord, grow us. Grow. Mature our faith. Mature our trust. Mature our confidence in You that will lead us into obedience and sharing of you. Family, reach out to others in your prayers, in your life, in your behavior. Reach out to others that they know these truths. Go after them. They need it as we do. Ask the Father for a growing, maturing faith, trust, and confidence. Though the older I am, the more I realize I need Christ. Struggling with unbelief. Struggling with confidence. Struggling with faith. Struggling to obey and say no to sin and yes to obedience. The older I become, the greater the struggle. The struggle is worth the joy of seeing him grow us in the grace and knowledge of His Son. Study the Scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true. Study it. Go to the Scriptures. The Bible is our final authority. And go to good, godly teachers, godly men and women who take Scripture serious. Go to people like Sproul and Piper and many, many others and see if what I'm saying is true. John MacArthur, godly men and women, 
Johnny Erickson Tata. If what I'm saying is true. Dr. Moeller from Southwestern. Good Baptist school. Go to the scriptures. Go to godly men and women to see if these things are true. Let's pray. Oh, Father, it's through Christ and Christ only we come to you. There's no other way. Teach us truth. Truth that will set us free. Thank you for electing a family for yourself. Father, for any who are here who are not yet yours, breathe life into them even today. Today is the day of adoption. Breathe life into young people, adults, older ones. Father, thank you for telling us in advance that not only do you call us to believe on Christ, but you also call us to suffer with Christ. Thank you for the promise of multiplied grace and mercy, grace and peace in all of life. May we believe it, live it, and powerfully share this with others. In the name and authority of Christ, amen.